This is the Publicity for Pet Businesses podcast with Rachel Spencer. Listen in each week for tips on ways to win media coverage and create content to make sure your pet business stands out from the competition. This week on the podcast, I'm really excited to be chatting to Nikki French from Pup Talk. Nikki is a dog trainer and she has written a book called Stop Walking Your Dog and she's also the creator of Don't Walk Your Dog Day, which takes place every year on April the 2nd. In this episode, Nikki and I are chatting about writing a book and going viral and what that's like. Nikki shares how she came to dog training later in life following an accident and she actually started training as a dog trainer in her 50s only for lockdown to happen just after she had finished her dog training qualifications, taken a business online and what that meant for her and how she's built up a successful business and membership and podcast as well. And a really important point that Nikki makes is about imposter syndrome and why thinking about the people who we help rather than what others think of us will help us slay imposter syndrome, which I know is something that many of us, including me, struggle with. So I think you're going to really enjoy this in the spotlight episode. Do go and find Nikki on social media at Pup Talk 101. She's such an inspiring lady. And I think you'll really love the stuff that she's doing. So now on to the main part of the show with the interview with Nikki. Hi, Nikki. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm so chuffed to be here. Hello. Oh. Good morning. <laughs> oh, bless you. Thank you. So, Nikki, I obviously know you very well, but can you tell us a little bit about you and what you do in your pet business? Yeah, I'm Nikki French, uh, dog mum to Bodie. I am a dog trainer and I work with people with all sorts of dogs. But my big thing is really trying to help people with dogs that are perhaps very nervous, um, very overexcitable and showing them different ways of dog training so that they can just have an amazing relationship with their dog. Brilliant. Okay, so can you tell us about how you um, found yourself in the pet industry? So I know, obviously, I know this story, but tell us about how it all came about and how you started um, working as a dog trainer. Yeah, so I was an animal mad kid. I, I literally thought I was Dr. Doolittle. I really did. And uh, But I, I thought, oh, I want to be a vet. And then I realised what you had to do with a vet, as a vet. So I quickly ran away from that idea because all I wanted to do was be around animals. I didn't want to have to do anything that would hurt them. Um, so I ended up in a completely different career. Um, it was sales and marketing in the property industry for quite a long time. And then I had a bike accident. I was knocked off a bicycle in 2014 and nothing broken. I was very grazed and bruised and a bit shaken. And it was sort of over the following months, I started having panic attacks and sort of little memory problems and sort of just, it was just a bit of unraveling really. I'd gone from being all conquering, <laughs> you know, working in a very male dominated business and not being at all worried by it to just getting really phased and feeling really teary mid afternoon. And I just, you know, I needed to reappraise my life and I knew I needed to do something different. And I had no idea what I was going to do. It was a real chance conversation with a friend and a friend of hers. And she was talking about uh, stopping doing what she was doing. And she said, Oh, I'm thinking about becoming a dog trainer. And this was about four years after the bike accident. And I had spent these four years soul searching, properly going, what am I going to do with my life? What am I going to do with my life? And I had no idea in that second 
I knew exactly what I was going to do. <laughs> I was literally like, of course I'm going to be a dog trainer. Why would I not be a dog trainer? So having not had a dog as an adult, because I worked silly hours and travelled overseas, I couldn't even have my own dog as an adult. So I went from not having a dog to resigning 48 hours later, signing up to a dog training course, and three months later, launching my business as a dog walker while I trained to be a dog trainer. So it was a fairly um, swift turnaround, (laughs) but it was a long time coming because I knew I needed to do something different and I wanted to do something different, but I didn't know what it was. I was freaking out that I didn't know what it was, but then it was there. So as soon as it was there, there was no doubt. And I've never had any doubt. And that was, you know, three and a half years ago and not one second of doubt in that three and a half years. So that was the right thing to do. Oh, what a brilliant story. So apart from obviously having the accident and having a difficult time. It's, best, it's one of the best things that happened to me. I, oh, I, I don't know that I would be doing what I am now if that hadn't happened. I think I would have just carried on, carried on, carrying on, because it's just, you know, it's you yeah. just get into the groove, don't you? You just carry on. Yeah, that's the thing. But that is what we do. And like, we're of the same generation, aren't we? We're not um, millennials um, or, you know, 20 somethings. Um, and we are of a generation where you have a career for life, aren't, aren't we? So doing, you know, something happening to you and you finding, actually finding your real, I know it sounds a bit cheesy, but finding your real purpose, that's that was amazing. Yes. So did you have a dog at that point then? No, 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 I couldn't. I, I you know, I'd, I'd be working 60, 70 hours a week. I'd be overseas sometimes for 14 days at a time. Um, I'd had four moggies, or no, four cats over the years. I'd had two moggies, two Siamese. I'd had a, I'd had gerbils, I'd had a cockatiel, and then any friends that had dogs, they they used to see quite a lot of me. <laughs> so, um, so I used to try and, uh, you know, spend a lot of time around uh, dogs and horses and things like that. But no, I couldn't have my own, and that was still, you know, that was a massive thing about me not being able to have a dog. But it was very strange to my old colleagues when I said I'm going to be a dog trainer because, of course, they knew nothing about my <laughs> thing for dogs. They're like, you're going to do what? <laughs> oh, I bet it. I remember when I handed my notice in at my old job, like coming up, it'll be 16 years ago in a few. Um, yeah, it's just over 16 years ago. I didn't know what I was going to do. I just said I was going to freelance. But if I'd gone in there and said, I'm going to go and work with pet businesses, <laughs> I'd have probably got a similar reaction. But you just don't know where things are going to take you, do you? But yeah. to go from having this you know, this really demanding corporate career to saying, right, I'm sacking it all off and being a dog trainer. I absolutely love it. Absolutely. And it was, so also it meant that I could start looking for a dog straight away because I knew I wanted, obviously I was, you know, this was part of the reason of leaving it all so that I could finally have a dog. But also I wanted a dog that could be part of the business. And originally I thought, well, yeah, I I desperately wanted a rescue dog. I wanted a a, a puppy, ideally, so I could grow it from scratch. But I also knew that looking for a rescue puppy, they're few and far between and you have to really wait and be a little bit lucky. And I waited for three months and then Bodhi came along. He was eight months old, so an exceptionally big 22 kilo puppy at the time. (laughs) Um, But I realised he was the dog for me, so... Yeah, that was a, a massive life change, finally getting a dog in my life, yeah. Yeah, well, Bodhi was nearly like, you know, we kind of still call an eight-month-old dog a puppy, really, wouldn't we? But yeah, he is still a baby. Quite big. <laughs> but just a really hefty baby. <laughs> so um, you got Bodhi from Battersea? Yes, yeah. 
yeah, we'd be, I'd been in touch with probably three rescue centres and I was in touch with them every week going, hi, it's Nikki again. What have you got? You know, still looking. This is what I'm looking for. And I needed a youngish dog. I needed a dog that would be able to, you know, have a certain level of activity and brain. You know, I needed, I didn't want a dog that would just sit on the sofa and sleep all day long. I, I did need a dog that wanted to be part of my training business and, you know, would thrive in that environment. So, um, it was just a case of getting in touch. And then one Monday morning, very early, I got an email from the team at Battersea in London and they sent me his photo and it was about half past six in the morning. I waited till about 7am and then I went into Ash, woke him up and went, you need to see this dog. He was like, oh God. <laughs> I was like, no, this is the one. And by midday, uh, by midday that day, we were into, into Battersea and we met him and we took him home two days later. So it was meant to be. Oh, I love that story. I know the thing about the seeing the dog and knowing it's the one we when we were looking to rehome a dog, perhaps we rehomed rather than rescue, but we did try we tried a lot of different rescues here in Newcastle and back when my mum is in Cheshire. Um, and I remember doing exactly the same thing as you, seeing this little face on the screen and going, oh, Tommy, you've got to come and have a look at this dog. And I was literally fell in love with him straight away. Um, and then we went to see him and then obviously he came to live with us. So and it was, it, was months, it was months later. The photo that they sent us, it wasn't that apparent. But months later, I found a really old photo. I was very lucky as a kid. My, my parents had some family friends that had a farm up in Yorkshire, which is where I was born originally. So they had um, a livestock farm. So they had working sheepdog. And I would just spend my summer holidays mucking about with the sheepdog and teaching them stuff and doing all that kind of stuff. And there's this photo of me on a brick wall doing some trick. This dog, I've got my arms folded and this massive black and white dog has got his paws up on my arms. Yeah. And... He's the absolute doppelganger of Bodhi. And oh, I didn't cool. actually put two and two together, but it's obviously why I was drawn to him. There was obviously something in the back of my mind, but I'd kind of forgotten about this this particular dog, Tyke, I remember his name, but that they're like, you know, a, a slight variation in the white marking, but so similar. So yeah, it was no one. Definitely. So tell us about starting out then as a dog walker, you're doing your dog training, um, studying you've got Bodhi you're starting out as a dog walker how did what was it like kind of starting again because you were you were 50 weren't you when when you left yeah 49 yeah, yeah yeah absolutely so what I really wanted to do was the dog walking was about getting my hands on lots of different types of dogs while I was training to be a dog trainer so for anybody that really struggled to find a dog walker or to put their dog into doggy daycare then that's the kind of clients that I took on. And they knew that I was training at the same time. So they were happy to have conversations with me about what, what sort of things I was showing them. And so I sort of got to try a, a little bit and help them out with their dogs that were, you know, really struggling um, in, in other environments. So that was um, a good three, four months. And then I started taking on training clients and that was all coming together nicely. And then we had a little event that happened in March. Where were we? 2020? Yeah. A little pandemic came along and <laughs> just went, hold on a minute. <laughs> yeah. Just as you've got your your stuff together, then yeah. 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 <laughs> and, in the works. <laughs> and I actually broke my foot uh, the week before lockdown. So I was in plaster cast as well. So the week uh, at which I couldn't um, take any clients' dogs out, 
the pandemic also hit and lockdown came into effect. So that all happened at the same time. So the business sort of had just got some head of steam and uh, then everything ground to a halt. So that was that was pretty tough to deal with. Oh my gosh, I can imagine. So what did you do then? So I I knew I wanted to take training online and I knew I needed to do that in lots of different ways. So it was the perfect opportunity because there was not a lot else to do. Um, I'd already had a number of videos that I'd been creating with my dog Bodie, with some clients' dogs, and I just learned how to be an online dog trainer. And online dog tra- training works incredibly well. You work through Zoom, you can show them a training video, they can be working in the room with their dog, playing the game, and you can cope, you know, coach them exactly as if you're in the room. But for dogs that struggle with strangers or get really overexcited or worried, it's a perfect environment because they're not having to cope with a stranger in their house or going into a busy field or something like that. So so I just I I started teaching people online and started a podcast, started up the membership. Um, so it was it, it I was actually kind of grateful for it, which sounds really weird, but it made me fast track all the things that probably would have taken me a good three, four years to do if I just carried on the route of I, I was walking a lot of dogs that, you know, would struggle to go with anyone else, you know, yeah. with a normal dog walker, if you know what I mean. And, you know, there are other dog, walk, dog walkers that specialise with difficult dogs, but, um, you know, they're not dogs that can just go into daycare. So I'd have found it really hard to be saying to them, sorry, I can't walk you anymore. I'm now doing training. Yeah. So because all their humans were at home, all of that just stopped. So it it, it meant I didn't ever go back to doing any more dog walking, but it made the training business grow in the shape I wanted it to be, yeah. but much quicker. So did some of your dog walking clients who were then at home with their dogs wondering what that, what on earth to do, did they come over to the online training with you then? Yes. Yeah. That. Yeah. Absolutely. They came into the membership, um, and obviously, once we could start doing training again outside in open spaces, they came back to the training business as well because yeah. we had great relationships. And to be honest, some of them had become friends as well. Yeah. You know, you really, you really bond over dogs, especially when you've got a dog with struggles. Mm. So yeah, I know we've talked about this before, um, and I think it's something that dog trainers sometimes don't realize um, and I talk about it quite a lot I know you'll have heard me say it when we've been on calls and stuff but as a regular pet parent and not a dog trainer myself I hold my dog trainer Sue who's helped me with Patch like I just think she's such an amazing person and I hold her in such high regard because it's incredible what dog trainers give and I Patch is really a fairly easygoing dog he doesn't have any reactivity he doesn't have any real problems we've just been given like loads of support we've just general life skills so we can take them to places where we want to but I can totally see the bond that you build up with your clients who because you've supported them in real life you're then going and you know they've, they've got you there and I can totally see why that worked so how did you adapt to like going online because you know you obviously adapted really quickly which is brilliant how did you what were the kind of things that you did I think a real challenge for me was not liking how I look on camera, not yeah. liking how I sound. Um, you know, dog training is, it, it's one thing sitting behind a Zoom 
you know, head and shoulders, like newsreader shot. And it's another, when you're playing training games, you often seem to end up having your butt to the camera. You know, it's full <laughs> body stuff. There's nowhere to hide with this stuff. I just had to get over that. Yeah. Because there's no way I could do what I was doing without that. Yeah. Um, Starting up a podcast very quickly got me over the sound of my own voice because when you edit it several times a week, it, it's just a voice now. It's I don't you know I don't hear the weird stuff that I used to hate about my voice. Um, so it was. I think it's quite hard. I, I think everyone should always focus on one or two things and grow them yeah. and build on it. I didn't really do that approach. I did try to do lots of things pretty much all at the same time. And I don't yeah. recommend it. There was a lot of plate spinning and, you know, you're learning everything from scratch. So getting support on the areas of tech or business or, you know, whatever it is, getting some support from other people just was so crucial. Yeah. Um, but I, I would suggest people prioritise on one or two things. For me, I guess that the main things, it, it was about Facebook. It was about, um, you know, a Facebook page with a Facebook group starting to grow that. Yeah. It was a little bit of Instagram, but that was more secondary at the time. And it was about growing an email list. I, I knew the dangers of having, you know, the dangers of just having a Facebook group. It's not yeah. yours. And if, you know, if you get shut down, you've lost it. So I was definitely trying to grow those two things together. But um, yeah, I did try to do too much too soon, for sure. <laughs> I think we all did that in lockdown though, didn't we? Because I also did similar I started a podcast started a membership and did a very a very quick course right at the beginning of lockdown but then I guess we were at home and you had all this time and you feel you feel like oh I'm used to being busy I need to just yeah. do things and learn I wasn't even walking my dog because my foot was in a, a cast up to my knee <laughs> <laughs> so Ash was doing all the dog walking as well and I, I was getting very good at playing seated games in the yeah. garden <laughs> well there you go it's got but I bet you use that as content as well don't you absolutely yeah <laughs> So you've just talked about the Facebook group, uh, your page, your email list, your podcast. What has worked in terms of helping you really, what would you say has really moved the needle in the right direction when it comes to growing your business? I think the biggest single thing has been writing the book. Yeah. And and that was a massive undertaking. Um, so, you know, it took time. I think it was six months from going, yep, that's the title to actual launch day yeah and it took a lot of time out of the business you know it was one day a week for six months pretty much where I wasn't working on other parts of the business so that that had an impact um but I think it was I things were just growing really slowly really steadily really steadily and I was doing all the things and it was working but it was really slow going and it was a big decision to you know it, it meant I, I I lost I took a cut in revenue because I had one day of my week where I'm not you know having paid clients um but it then meant that it was a sort of a big step up sort of after the book launch and then the awareness day that went yeah. with it and those two things together have been the biggest single thing in terms of getting me in front of new potential people and so the you know the facebook group has has grown to it's over 2000 now so it's sort of it's taken a big jump in the last where are we six months mm -hmm. and i think really the book was the the starting point for that excellent okay so tell us about your book then yeah i love writing 
um, I, I did used to struggle in my old job. Uh, you know, if somebody said, could you write a press release about this new property development? Me and a blank piece of paper are not friends. But I was really good at editing other people's work. <laughs> I, knew, I knew what I wanted it to be, but I just couldn't create it. Um, but as soon as I came into the world of dogs, like writing blogs, writing everything, it just it just comes out of me. You know, it's really easy. And I think I write how I speak. And so I knew I wanted to write the book. And I was seeing a number of clients who really had dogs that struggled on walks. And I was saying to them, you need to stop walking your dog. You need to stop walking your dog and do other things instead, you know, not just sit at home, but you need to work on playing training games at home instead of them getting completely overexcited or really, really stressed in environments that they can't cope with. And I just woke up with and then just went, of course, that's the title of the dog, yeah, the title of the book. So um, it was then just a case of learning how to write a book, writing a plan and writing it and launching it. And it that makes it sound really simple, but those were the steps that I went through. I just followed a process. Yeah. Um, and I didn't know how many people would get it. It's, you know, the title is a little bit contentious. I think it's generally in our psyche that if you have a dog, you take it for a walk. Of course you do. Even if you have a dog that struggles on walks, I think I still see a lot of people feeling guilty if they don't walk their dog. So it was, yeah, but it, it was way more successful than I predicted. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. It landed really well. And very quickly, I was getting emails from people going, thank you. I said, I, you know, they were like, they'd been having rows with partners about what was right for their dog. And just having someone else say, your gut is right. Do something different. Do things differently. Um, yeah, it's been really, it really, it's really touched me in ways I, I couldn't have imagined. Mm. So. We'll talk a little bit about the book and the things that the, the things that have happened since the book and your day and everything in a moment. But what I'd love to chat to you about is um, you've you know, you've talked about starting as a dog trainer re like relatively recently and then, you know, building your business, having your group, doing all the things that we all do, then having this idea for a book. Um, and the idea, if, I guess, when you think about writing a book or you think about being a dog trainer or whatever it is that you think about, you know, you you think you might think, oh, I've just got to fit in the mold and do what everybody else does. But you had this kind of waking up in the middle of the night moment where you had this idea for the title, which is awesome. And obviously it's just, you know, it's really skyrocketed, hasn't it? But when you were thinking about actually, yeah, this is the title, but it is going against the grain of what people think. And, and it might people might challenge me here. What, um, you know, but how did you kind of keep going and think, now I'm going to do this. Like, what made you? I know we talk about it a lot in the group because um, you're a client. But what made you put on your big girl pants and think, right, I'm going to just do this? Yeah, it, it, it was definitely the people that I was working with. Yeah, when you know you see something that is quite clearly working for people, you know, and this, you know, stop walking your dog is not a concept I've come up with. It's yeah. an absolute dog's framework as, as I know it, which is ditch the walks. Um, you know, so I'm very much working with, with absolute dogs in terms of their methods, but that I, I knew that it worked and I could see that it was working directly. And I was getting direct feedback from people saying, right, I've done this, 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 and this is the changes that I've seen. Yeah. And the fact that I knew it worked, but it was so not known about to the point that, you know, there's actually a lot of resistance from a lot of parts of, of you know, the, the, of, of people that 
it's cruel to not walk your yeah. dog. You know that 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 and and it's it was trying to raise that understanding of of why there might be times when it's not the best thing to do with your dog and what you can do instead in order yeah. to get over there. So so it was definitely the I knew that it worked and I, I knew it needed to be written. I, I thought, mm-hmm. well, if I don't write this book, someone else will. So yes. I thought that was another reason for just getting on with it. I was like, no, <laughs> I've got the title. I'm going to write it. Um, so, yeah, it was it was important for me to get it out there. Yeah. And it's been I know you've had a lot of success with it. Um, can you tell us a little bit about. Um, yeah, tell us about the book and the day and how it all kind of came together. So when did your book come out? And then, yeah, talk, can you talk us kind of through chronologically? Yeah. So the launch day was December the 1st. 2021 so like most things I wanted to do everything as quickly as I could and try and do too many things at once so (laughs) there's definitely a pattern there um so I started writing it it was the 29th of May and uh I was making pretty good progress you know I had a plan sticking to it and I was thinking right can I get it out before Christmas by about September time I was thinking can I get it out before Christmas and I was looking at the timeline thinking oh no it's too tight and I was thinking, right, go with it. And I worked with um, a company that does a hybrid publishing. So it's self-published, but they handhold you through it so that you do you get help in certain areas. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, that that gave me a lot of confidence. And I was looking at launch slots to work with them because they only do one launch on any given day. They won't do multiples. And it was sort of availability that they had for December. I think it was like the 1st of December and then about the 18th and then I thought well that's far too close to Christmas so I was just like right let's do it on the 1st of December (laughs) deadline need to finish the book need to do everything that I need to do um so that was sort of locked in um and then launch day gosh I I can't even remember I I do remember there was some technical hitches with Kindle direct publishing which is kind of where all the book publishing into amazon goes through yeah and they were having some reporting problems so you know we you focus everybody in on all your friends and family and you you know there was like a 99p day one launch campaign yeah. just to get everybody you, you know you want all your friends and family to be able to get a copy for you know really good price um but also you want to get people talking about it so that you yeah. set it up to, to to really um fly but all of the reporting wasn't coming through and it actually wasn't fixed for about a week. It was a massive problem within Amazon, Kindle, whatever. So, you know, it's not just me. I'm sure there's thousands of authors that were affected. But normally if you have a, a launch and everything goes like whew, brilliant, you become an Amazon number one bestseller um, because in that day, you know, it's peaked. Yeah. But none of that happened. So I remember the launch day being like oh, lots of noise and people buying it. And because no one had read it other than my beta readers. Yeah. And then we weren't able to say anything about what we actually achieved on the day. So it was all a bit like, oh, <laughs> it was good. And it was out there. And I was super proud of the book. But it wasn't perhaps the euphoria that maybe I'd hoped for. I still had a bottle of Prosecco in the evening, for sure. (laughs) Just the fact that it was done. But then it was in the following weeks that it went to Amazon number one in, I don't know, I can't remember how many categories. Um, But then it kept bouncing around at number one. It wasn't just number one on day one and then just fall <laughs> fall out of sight and then I started getting reviews and then I started getting emails from people and then people were sharing the book with their friends going you need to read this book and 
that's when it really started to feel special. And then that's yeah. when I thought, I've done a really good job with this. And I was really proud of myself, which I don't say very often. Um, and and even I looked about last week and it was still number two in one of the categories, wow. you know, up against some books that have sold many, many more copies than me. But at the moment, it's still, you know, selling well and the reviews are coming in and, you know, it's just really helping people. So that, that was really special. So then I thought, well, you know, I've launched the book and it might just tick over and that's great. But I, I realized how important it was as a message mm-hmm. for people to be more aware of. So, you know, listening to people like you talk about awareness days, I was thinking, okay, so we need awareness day. So um, I've been thinking about what the awareness day was. So the book is called Stop Walking Your Dog. Yeah. And there's lots of different dogs that, you know, you might not want to walk your dog as much, um, even if it's just, you know, cutting down to maybe one walk a day. Um, The day I decided to call it Don't Walk Your Dog Day. And the day is part of the hashtag Don't Walk Your Dog Day, because I didn't want people to think there's this woman saying you shouldn't walk your dog. So it's just a day where we get people thinking about maybe not walking your dog and doing other things instead. Um, so that was, it it was very carefully thought out as to how that message was going to come across. Really last minute, (laughs) again, (laughs) you and I had a quick chat. I was like, I haven't done anything about it and uh, I need to get it out there. And with, I don't know, seven days, 10 days, um, I, I popped a few emails out to journalists and a lovely lady at the mirror online picked it up, did an interview and then everything just went crazy. <laughs> everything just went crazy from there. Um, yeah, so that was the start of the craziness. Wow. Okay. Um, so I can totally. I knew. I, I knew it would do well. I, I did. I did think it would do well, but it, it went absolutely crazy. Like it went proper viral, didn't it? So yeah. tell us about what happened on the day and the yeah. end of the weekend of the day. And tell yeah. us when the day is as well, because I know uh, it's the second of April. Yeah. So it's a, okay. it, 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 will, it was a Saturday, but it will be the second of April, no matter where that falls yeah. in the year. Um, the day itself, um, I had planned not to take Bodhi for a walk. Bodhi's a very hyperactive, very overexcitable collie lurch across. He could work and run for hours and hours and hours. Most days he only gets one walk and then he gets a series of games throughout the day. Um, I thought for the first time ever, I'll stick to my values and I'll say, right, don't walk your dog day. I'm not going to walk my dog. Yeah. So I, I, I planned a sort of like a little video diary through on Instagram, um, what I was doing with him, the activities I'd planned to do. By two o'clock, and I wasn't doing very much, you know, like a little 10 minute game session and then maybe an hour or so later doing something else with him and then maybe giving him a lick mac for lunch. By two o'clock, he tapped out. He'd literally, he'd, he'd gone to sleep on our bed and he was like, I'm, I'm done. So we hadn't had a walk. So the the, the theory of that worked really, really well. He was exhausted, poor dog. He was just mentally like really tired just because we'd been doing a few games. Um, And then, and then it just, people started tagging me into posts going, you've you've gone in, you're in Wales online and you're in Birmingham live and you're in Shropshire live and you're in, you've popped up on my MSN feed and you've popped up on my Apple news did you know you're in Lad Bible? And I was like, what? (laughs) (laughs) And this was over, you know, sort of maybe the 48 hours or so, 72 hours after the day itself. 
And then it, this kept going for about 10 days. People kept going. There was, I, I don't even, I, I did run, run reports, like, I, you know, well into the 25 or more different titles. And the original headline, the, the Mirror article was exactly as our, our conversation. Yeah. She did a really lovely job of representing what my message was. Of course, the headline was, don't walk your dog. Yeah, And then all of, not all of them, some of the, you know, when they went into maybe the star, the sun, um, some of the other titles, it, it basically got um, morphed into veteran dog behaviorist. And it's like, I'm not a behaviorist. I'm a dog trainer. I'm certainly not a veteran at this. Yeah. I'm relatively newcomer, but basically says no one should walk their dog ever was kind of what they were saying. So the comments, the comments that were coming in were just... Um, lively should we say yeah <laughs> who's this snowflake saying somebody should do this another <laughs> i was like i'm 53 yes <laughs> I'm so snowflake. i know <laughs> i was over the moon about that one um but yeah so it definitely a lot of people would read the headline i i knew that about the press that would you know in terms of people how consume people consume media but i had no idea how because even the rest of the articles most of them were were pretty true to what yeah. i said and the principles of it's this is not about not walking your dog. Totally not about that. But it was the headlines. People would just read a headline and then write a comment, having not read any of it. Um, but the book sales went through the roof because most of the articles did link back to author of Stop Walking Your Dog with a link. So the book sales went crazy. So it went back to number one again. Um yeah, and in the space of I don't know, two days. I probably sold as many books as I'd sold to date. I mean, you know, we're not talking big numbers. I'm, I'm not retiring anytime soon. Um, but proportionately, it yeah. was, it, it just went crazy again. Um, yeah, wow. it, was, it was, it was special, special, but really odd. <laughs> it was, because um, I know obviously we'd spoken th that week and I knew the day was happening and like myself and other people who are in the community had scheduled social media posts and we were all talking about the topic and I was in this place and I, me and Tommy were away and we didn't have any we didn't have any phone signals I had to keep going and standing outside this one pub where there was wi-fi and checking to see where you were at and you were like oh my god this has happened oh my god we're on lab bible oh my gosh the sales have just gone over this and and it was like oh my god this, this is just the most exciting thing ever it was just such an amazing day and this um, is, you know, this photo of Bodie and I just appearing everywhere. <laughs> like, literally, it was, I was getting texts off other people as well, people who, um, you know, who we know outside of the dog world saying, oh my gosh, have you seen what Nikki's doing? It was just crazy. It was absolutely brilliant. Mm. So um, would you would you be happy to kind of share, like, what, what it meant for your sales? Yeah. Um, so I'm really bad with numbers. Um Oh, I've, luckily I have my whiteboard over to the side. I can look over there. That's good. So in April, I sold just over 700 co copies of the book. And in total now, there's probably 1,400 copies of the book that I've sold. Yeah. So half of them happened, like, you know, within a week or so of that awareness day. Wow. But, and, you know, I, I left it so late and I did so little. Mm -hmm. and I, was just, you know, I was very lucky that, well, not lucky because, I you know, I got in touch with you. Um, but, you know, it, it resonated with the lady and she did a really great job writing it up yeah. and and it went from there. But um, I was just it's just knowing that 1,400 people are now thinking slightly differently about what their dog needs when they're struggling. Uh, just 
yeah and and, yeah, and it yeah. feels like this is just the start of it now you know I can I can do it properly next year <laughs> no imagine what you're going to be like next year when you've got time to prepare <laughs> I, I I hear what you're saying though and I think um I think it is it's not just about one day is it and it's brilliant that all these people have read your book and they've shared it with the friends and the people who've shared the article as well like the shares of that article will be huge and if we think that only you know like so many more people would have read it than bought the book so it's you know millions of people will have will have seen that all over the world which is is amazing but I do think it's a little bit like the um, dogs in yellow day isn't it where you have the day but then it's actually something that you're going to talk about all year round and it's your passion it's a big educational um, message and it's really out there now and I know you had a lot of support from people in the pet industry so I remember seeing all the dog trainers commenting so can you tell me a bit about that, about the response that you had from like your fellow pet pros? Yeah, that was lovely. I mean, obviously, there's lots of different types of dog trainers, but there's lots of dog trainers that train with absolute dogs. So we're, we're yeah. pro dog trainers. And within that community, um, people were actually wading in to some of the comments on, on social media. So they were sharing it with people, but they were also going back in and going, no, she's right. And sending it to clients that maybe they were struggling to get the clients on board with this as a, a concept. So they were using it to spread it out there. Um, but, you know, for anybody that's into positive, gentle, kind dog training, universally people were just like yeah of course that's what we do you know and this is i haven't invented this this has been around for a good 10 15 years people have been working with this for sure um but just to have something so public that they could share with people and i, I was getting crazy requests from like abc radio in melbourne and hungarian tv and things like that you know it really did they, I, I got the amazon figures through recently and it was a delay and there was i can't, I can't remember how many copies were sold in japan of the book and I was just like, uh, you know, I just, it, it really did go global in, in a small way, but still global. And that yes. was. It's huge though, isn't it? And like when you were, when you sat writing, you know, bashing out your book between May and December, you never would have, ex, you know, that's just your, your dream, isn't it? For it to go that far. Yeah. Yeah. And I was, I, at the time of writing the book, I remember thinking, is this too simple? I mean, I have kept it really, really simple. But it, sh- it should just be something you can sit down, read, bosh, do the things and get some results. I didn't want to make it really difficult. I, I, for me, I, I struggle with concentration. I think it's a, a throw, you know, a um, kick over from the accident. But I really struggle to read long pages of text and my brain flits around. And so I wrote it in really short, little bite sized chapters and stuff like that so you can just pick up something read two pages maybe do something and then come back to it when you're ready and I think that just really resonated with people so yeah but yes seeing what seeing all the other dog trainers share something when I was feeling you know it's it's pretty easy to feel a lot of imposter syndrome when you're very new into an industry you know there's a lot of dog trainers that have been training dogs or have had their own dogs for decades um so coming in and being a a real relative newcomer to start off with there was a lot of sort of doubt in my mind of who am I to be doing this Mm -hmm. Um, but I think because I'm still fairly close in experience terms to a lot of the people I work with I think some ways that makes me more relatable I was able to write a book as a layman yeah really I kind of am still a layman (laughs) that's the thing isn't it I think um yeah, it's definitely something I can relate to. And 
also we were talking before weren't we about like millennials and and us not being millennials but the world has changed hasn't it like you know years ago like you know our dad's generation were you had to have experience before you could be a manager or you had to do all these different things before you could rise up and have authority whereas now there are young people who are shaking things up so much and you know you have been in you 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 have been you've studied you've got your credentials you've created this book you've made you've given people what they really want and it's absolutely okay for you to be like it's not like one of those it's not like years ago where you'd have to you know you've had to study something for 20 years or whatever Mm -hmm. you can dream about writing but whereas now things have changed haven't they yeah and I bet all of the all of the positivity that you had from the dog training community that must have been really good for your own confidence and and helping with the things like imposter syndrome as well yeah yeah I I it has pretty much left the building in yeah. in most respects you know I, I still probably wouldn't want to go on a really um you know a, an animal behaviorists podcast I've been looking at lists of people like, oh, I'd like to go on that one I think oh, I'm not quite mm. ready for that yet you know I, I don't have years of formal education in that field but yeah I, I feel okay putting out there what I'm putting out there it, yeah. it, I, I know it's doing people you know I know it's helping people yeah and I think the simplicity as well from a pet parent point of view and a non-dog trainer that's what that's what we need we don't we don't understand you know we need things keeping really simple don't we yeah so what would you what would your advice you've just like totally gone for it with everything which is a lot of what would your advice be for people who have a passion like you do have got a message that's that's different they want to really get out there they want to shake things up and do things differently what would your advice be I think focusing on the people that you know your service or your message or your product will help focus on them and whenever anything feels difficult or scary you know use that to help you find those big girl pants stick them on and do the things and break it down you know break it down into really little tasks if I'd sat down and thought oh god writing a book but I, I knew step one was Imagine what the launch looks like. You know, yeah. what are people going to be drinking? <laughs> just start with little lists of, you know, uh, what it is, and then just start start the task. But just keep coming back to who's this going to help? Yeah. And if you don't do that, if you don't do this thing that scares you, they're not going to get to get that from you. So it's really helped me. There's things that really used to scare me that actually I really enjoy now. You know, like the podcast. Me, I, I, you know, I doesn't sound like it now but I used to really struggle to talk very much um whereas now I really enjoy doing the podcast I enjoy the connections it's given me with talking to people in the industry and I enjoy it when people get in touch with me saying oh I've been listening to your podcast for ages and you know you just you just don't know who's listening so yeah focus on the people that you know you're going to help absolutely love that piece of advice um and yeah and but I know we've chatted about this before as well haven't we but like worrying about what other people who are never going to use your thing or need your book or buy your service or have your you know join your membership because they're dog trainers or you know my case journalists or editors that you know it's we need to be thinking about the people that we help don't we so so yeah um it's really great advice so tell us about um you've had loads of press coverage haven't you I know you've obviously had loads with the day and the book but tell us about some of the other things that you've had as well yeah um the I think I've I 
I, I used to do PR in my old life, but doing it for yourself was completely different ball game. And probably for the first two years of the business, I sort of it was on the list of things that I thought, well, I know I need to be doing it, but I was a bit too scared of doing it myself. If I saw the odd opportunity where somebody said, oh, I'm looking to talk to somebody that's had a career change after 50, I'd be like, oh, that's me. And I, you know, jot them an email. And I think my story kind of resonated with a few people. So there was a, um, where was I? I I think the Express, the Sunday Times, and one of the women's weeklies that sort of happened just because I happened to see a post at the right time and um, jumped on it. but recently it's definitely become a more considered part of me being intentional. Yeah. And even if it's one or two hours a week, I'm like, right, I'm going to do a little bit of PR. Um, having the book, obviously, you know, that was a big thing to talk about. Having the awareness day or bit of a scramble gave me something to talk about. But it's now got me into doing PR with more consideration rather than, right, okay, I've done my blog and I've done my email and I've done my social media posts and I've trained my clients and I've done my admin and oh no I've got no time left at the end of the week and the PR gets put off for yet another week and that's kind of how it was for the first couple of years um but since you know changing that and going right there is a couple of hours a week where I carve out to do some stuff on PR that's when I'm now starting to get more consistent um coverage which is obviously really helpful yeah, and you've done all the background as well. So you've got the foundations laid brilliantly. You've got your book, you've got your podcast, you've got your website, you've got all your social media accounts. You do some really awesome stuff on social media. So actually, when the journalists go and check you out, you are you know you put come across really well. I think that's that's really important, isn't it? Mm. So what are your tips for getting press coverage? If you were talking to somebody who's thinking about dipping the toe into um, you know trying to do their own PR, what would your advice be? Yeah, um, I think the hardest part for me has been getting the ideas for the release. Um, So having someone to bounce ideas off is really, really helpful. And, you know, if somebody's got connections with people like you, then that's amazing. But even if it's just other pet people that you know, even friends and family, if you think they've got, you know, helpful ideas of, just sit down and think about and bounce ideas off someone else. I really struggle on my own with a blank piece of paper. It's just like there's dust balls running through my head. Um, But as soon as I get into some kind of conversation with people, then ideas start flowing. So for me, it's definitely about having um, people to chat and share ideas with because that's when stuff comes out, I think. Um, And if you see something that a journalist wants, drop everything that you can, respond quickly. You know, you, you you just need to be on it quickly. And I think that's why I've been you know lucky with a few bits of coverage because I just saw it and I did it. You know, mm-hmm. whatever I was doing, that was parked. And, uh, you know, I just made life easy for the journalist and, and have great, great photos. Yeah. You know, that, that photo of Bodie and I sitting on a bench and that photo shoot was done, I think, about two months after I got Bodie and it was a nightmare. He was just <laughs> such an unruly dog at that stage. And these photos look this picture of tranquility, but it was just chaos. <laughs> I had my friend and her dog um, and most of the photos we got from the shoot are with me, with her dog, her lovely rescue dog. Um, but there was only a few shots of me and Bodie because he was just chaos. <laughs> most of the <laughs> shoot shots I have, he's jumping all over the place. Um, 
but have great photos. And yeah. then, you know, if a journalist has got two or three options and your photos are the best, that's what they're going to run with. Um, so I think that 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 is a massive thing. Definitely. Yeah, the photos thing, I can't emphasise enough. And so many people don't have them. And there's so many brilliant photographers out there. So do get your photos done. Have And it doesn't need to cost the earth. You know, if you can find someone locally that you like what they do, you know, you could only be talking about a couple of hundred pounds. I know it's a couple of hundred pounds, mm-hmm. but, you know, when you think of what can come from it, you know, how many clients would you need to get that money back over the next six months? Probably not that many or you know how many things do you need to sell in order to get that back so yeah I would definitely say do jump in with that yeah and there's so many ways you can use them as well isn't there on your social media and your website and all you know you get your money's worth don't you definitely so you've had an like we're chatting in May this is going to be going out in June you've had like a crazy year so far haven't you with the day and everything what's next for you I've got a week off in June I think you're going on a dog training holiday. (laughs) (laughs) My poor boyfriend. Bless him. (laughs) Three of us are going down to uh, the home of Absolute Dogs to spend five days down there. Uh, No, we only do a few hours of training. Mostly it's just relaxation time. So that's the big thing. Um, I I really said I needed to write, uh, to take a break from like writing another book, but it was about two weeks ago. I know what the book's going to be called. And I'm like, oh no. <laughs> oh no. Um there is definitely um another book that is coming. Whether I'll decide to tackle it later on this year or whether I'll wait until next year, um that's coming. But for me, the big okay. thing for me is is about building up the membership now and making yeah. that, you know, a, a, a bigger success. There's lots of people in it that love it, but it needs to reach more people. So yeah. that one kept sort of getting pushed out to the side in terms of my focus because of all the other stuff I was doing so I need to need to focus on my membership right now and my one-to-one clients as well so mm-hmm. the one-to-one clients now I'll just get a call from someone saying I've read your book can I work with you you know whereas I'm not I don't feel like I'm ever selling now it's more we're having a chat about how I can help them so that's a really nice position to be in Definitely. I think that I think that there'll be a lot of people who that will really resonate with. And that's that's what we all want, isn't it? We want to and things to be easy and not to have to do the, the hard graph. So it's brilliant that the book has opened all those doors for you and and all the hard work that you've done as well. Like, you know, you work so hard and you deserve all of these great things. So thank you. Nikki, thank you so much for coming and chatting to me. It's been brilliant talking to you for this in the spotlight session and I know people will find your story so fascinating as well tell us where we can find out more about you uh well there's my website which is puptalk.co.uk or on all the socials I'm puptalk101 so come along and follow me and say hello fabulous thanks so much Nikki you're very welcome thank you for listening to the publicity for pet businesses podcast For more free resources and ways to promote yourself as a pet entrepreneur, visit www.publicityforpetbusinesses.co.uk.